welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, my name's Micah. If we haven't met, welcome to Awaken. Really glad that you're with us. Want to begin with just a couple of quick announcements. The first of which is, if you're new, we are so glad that you're with us. Uh, we'd love to know that you're here, so if, if you're up to it, there are some cards in the seat pockets in front of you or the pews. You can also go online to our website, awakenwest7th.com, and fill out that card. That'll come back to us. We'll invite you to a beverage of your choice, and uh, you can get to know us. We can get to know you a little bit. Um, if you have those cards or tithes or offerings this morning, if you fill them out here, they can go in the black boxes at each of the exits. Um, I'll come back to one of the cool things that is happening in light of some of the ways in which you all support this church. Stick with me. Um, today, there is a kids' community lunch right after the second gathering at St. Paul Tap, which is over here on Jefferson. Uh, so if you're interested and you don't have lunch plans, you can join there. You don't have to have kids to join that. It's just hosted by them. And it's uh, for just sort of no sign-up, so just show up. It's a great time. Lots to do over there, including um, some video games. If you're interested in pinball or, you know, Pac-Man or whatnot, they have it, so you can do that. Um, there is, uh, oh, guys, guess what? Uh, Lent begins really soon, like in oh, less than two weeks. Ash Wednesday is February the 14th. It's also Valentine's Day that day. You're welcome to celebrate either or neither or both. Uh, we will be here for Ash Wednesday, and that is a traditional Ash Wednesday gathering to begin our Lenten journey, um, so a very contemplative, reflective time. If your kids can sit with you during that, they're welcome to join us. There will not be kids' community um, or, or uh, anything hosted for the kiddos, so you can decide on that, but that's 6.30 on Ash Wednesday, and then just let you know, Easter um, is, is coming also. We're going to do three gatherings this year at Awaken. 9, 10.30, and noon. So more details will be coming uh, on that. We've been putting our heads together after Christmas Eve and um, what happened that night. And so uh, we're going to, uh, more details to come on that. But just so you know, 9, 10.30, and noon. So if you think, you know, like maybe you could host brunch and then come to the noon o'clock, go for it. That's going to be, that'll be great. Um, but those will be the three hours. And last but not least, there is an underground prom event happening on March the 1st. So if you do not have tickets, it's going to be a real fun evening, uh, 7 p.m. And that is a um, prohibition sort of, um, you know, speakeasy theme. So feel free to dress up or not. That's fine, too, Alyssa. Um, uh, and that'll be, um, yeah, 7 o'clock here in the basement of the church. It'll be great. Um, in the back, in the gallery, on the right-hand side as you leave, there are a bunch of um, frames which let you know about missional partners that we have at Awaken. One of them is Ainda Young, uh, and they have uh, every year a traditional Native American powwow that um, anyone is invited to go to. So it is February 10th and 11th. It's next weekend. One o'clock is kind of the public thing that anyone can go to, and so some folks from, from Awaken will be there, uh, and we want to invite you to join uh, as one of our missional partners. You can get a sense of like what they do and who they are, um, and it's a real good time from what I gather. Uh, so that's next weekend, February 10th and 11th. Um, are you guys ready to rock and roll today? If you have your Bibles, you're going to need them. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. 
Uh, this is our final week in 1 John. So during Epiphany, we have been in this book of 1 John, and this is the last of those days. Today is not the last day of Epiphany, but next week, I'm going to be in Phoenix all week. Uh, I'm headed there tomorrow morning. I fly out. And I'm going to be there with a bunch of uh, former covenant pastors or soon-to-be former covenant pastors or thinking about being former covenant pastors. Uh, it should be a real good time. Some outlaws are going to be in Phoenix, you know. And uh, we're gathering really to just kind of get a sense of like, um, is there anything, like one last conversation around, is there anything beyond the covenant proper officially for those of us who... Um, have loved this tradition of pietism and the history of the covenant um, that, we, that we participated in. And so, um, in all honesty, I would just ask for your prayers uh, as I go. And this group of people kind of discern, like, is there anything and what would that be if there is? So, in light of that, I'm not going to be writing a sermon next week. Um, there, uh, Jim Bear Jacobs, actually, are, is going to be with us next weekend. So if you don't know Jim Bear, he is a, a native leader here in the Twin Cities. He's led the Sacred Sites tours that we've done. So he's going to be preaching next week, and that's sort of a, a tee-off or a tee-up for he's actually going to be leading two um, learning labs in March, March 3rd and 10th. Um, so keep your ears open for those. I think that's going to be a hot ticket. Um, and if you've never been around Jim Bear, um, he pulls no punches, so please bring your big boy um, and big girl pants for next week. It's going to be good, I think. Uh, I'm sort of equally anxious and excited for him to be here, you know? <laughs> Just never know. Uh, so, that'll be next week. Uh, so, first John, a little bit of review, and then we'll dive into this morning. Um, remember, we began with an intro and prologue where John, the author, talks about that which was from the beginning... Um, which is the word of life, which we've seen and we've, we can testify to and we now proclaim to you so that you might have fellowship with it. Um, in the second week, we sort of zoomed out and we looked at more of a question about like the Bible. Uh, coming to 1 John, for many of us, it's a book that's very rigid and sort of either or, it's this or that. You'll even hear it in the passage this morning, which you know brings up some questions for some of us. And so what do you do when you have questions of the text? And we talked about Revelation. And this idea that scripture is part of God's ongoing revelation, it is not the end. It's not the last word in God's revelation, but it's a part of. And so we can come to scripture um, and submit, you know, if, if Jesus is the representation of God and Jesus leaves us the spirit, then we can submit to the spirit's work and even and bring our questions to scripture. Um, so we talked about this difference between static revelation and ongoing or progressive revelation. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we, we jumped into kind of the content of, of John's book. He talked about light and that God is light. And last week, uh, as John mentioned in our prayers of the people, we talked about love, that God is love, like the essence of love. Um, today, we're going to close this series, and I want to do so with a, with a, a, a passage that has a, a phrase in it or an idea in it that's sort of vexing. It's one of the, if you were going to do Lost in Translation in 1 John, this might be one of the passages. Uh, and we're going to end there. Um, so, Al, if you want to join us, we'll be in 1 John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'd invite you to stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the word. And then we'll dive in. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his among, love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world 
that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Join me in prayer. God, this morning we gather in this place and we do so with um, <clears throat> varying degrees of faith and interest, wondering questions about you and what it means to follow you, this book, and what, what it means in our lives, uh, the world that we live in, and where is this all headed. Um, so I pray that in the brief time that we have together, by your spirit, you would do something that we can't do, uh, that you would bring us together and do something that we can't do when we're alone, but only when we're here um, with one another. Uh, speak to us, encourage us, challenge us, invite us, transform us, change us into the people that you have um, made us to be, like heal in us that which has um, gone off the rails, that which is broken, that which is lost. Um, help us find our way back home, I pray. In Christ's name and by the power of the Spirit, the church said together, amen. You may be seated. Uh, if I were going to build a house, Laura and I were at dinner last night, and I was like, Laura, if I'm going to try to make an analogy about going back to the basics and I don't want to use sports, what do I say? <laughs> Here's what I've come up with. If I'm going to build a house, uh, there are some things that I'm going to need to know that are just kind of like the basic fundamental building blocks of a structure, right? So you're going to need to know what a two-by-four is, you know, a piece of lumber to, to build a wall. You're going to need to know what a nail is. You're going to need to know what a hammer is or a nail gun if you have pneumatic tools, you're going to need to know some of the basics, right, in order to build a structure. This morning, in some ways, is a little bit of basics. It's going back to what are some of the basic building blocks of this story that we call Christianity, that we find in this passage, and that will kind of set us up for this last verse, no one has seen God, which I find somewhat vexing. So um, let's start from the beginning. In verse 7, we find John saying, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Uh, my last name is Witham. You might know this. Uh, what you might not know is that my mother's maiden name is Abbott, which means that John Witham and Claudette Abbott got together and got married, and then, you know, five sons came after that. I didn't plan to say that, but... Uh, that's what happened, friends. You know, that's what happened. So I am, I am with them, but I am also an abbot, which means by virtue of being an, from the abbot family, I learned how to play cards because I knew Charles Dwight Abbott. Charles Dwight Abbott, better known as Chaz, is my grandfather. And by virtue of being a part of that family, I learned how to play cards. Uh, every Friday night when I was in high school, we would go, well, junior high and high school growing up, we would all go over to my grandpa's house. Um, my aunts and uncles and my cousins would be there, and we would play cards. We played rook, we played cribbage, we played widowist, we played hearts, we played spades. The only thing I never played was bridge. You know, I'm not sure how I got out of that family not knowing how to play bridge. But either way, um, I was given the gift of learning how to play cards by virtue of the family that I came from. John starts with verse 7, and he says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Love comes from God. I've said this many times before, and I will likely say it again if you stick around long enough. One of the most important questions that you can ask in your spiritual journey is, what do you think God is like? What do you imagine God to be like? If you close your eyes and you were to picture God, like, what do you see? That 
is one of the most important aspects of your spiritual life because what you imagine, what you think God is like, informs and shapes and transforms you. Uh, what else would it do or what else would transform you or shape you other than what you think about God? So at the most fundamental level, when you strip it all back, what do you think God is like? Icons actually help us in this aspect. Do you guys know what an icon is? You know, like some of the paintings that you've seen of, of, of the olden days. Um, I have a picture of an icon. It's right here. Uh, I have this. This is one of my favorites. This is Rublev, uh, I think Russian, um, Eastern European at the very least, painted this icon, and it's called the Trinity. And in it you see three distinct persons who are all kind of like um, almost deferring to the other. If you notice, like even look at their postures, no one is like standing above or, or over any of the others. They're all sort of in this circular deference to one another. And actually, uh, as history and tradition goes, right down here in the middle, in the front there, on the original icon, um, some claim that there was at one point some kind of reflective device. So when you looked into the Trinity, and this is why icons are, are so helpful, you don't stop at, at an icon. The icon actually is a portal. You look beyond the icon or through the icon into the icon in order to see the soul of the thing. So an icon is an, is an attempt to help you like access or interact with or experience the reality that the icon is pointing you towards. In this case, it's the Trinity. And so when you look into the Trinity, you see yourself reflected back to you as a part of this divine union. What do you think God is like? I would argue, first and foremost, we have been given a gift. What do I mean by that? If this is what God is like, if you want to throw that back up there, sorry, Jeff. If that's what God is like, then God in God's essence is a relationship. God is not one thing, though God is one thing. This is the paradox of Christian theology, right? God is one. Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Yes. And then there is this reality that in God's essence, in the very existence, the very being, the ontological nature of the divine is that that is a relationship, and in that relationship exists perfect, self-deferring love, uh, sacrificial love for the other. In God's essence, at the very heart and soul of God, is love, which is why John says, let us love one another, for love comes from God. So what is God? Perichoresis, according to the church mothers and fathers. This circle dance, this circle relationship, that is God. Now, okay, interesting, Micah, so what? If you take the Bible seriously, and this is true about God's nature, and you go back to the beginning of the story, you hear something really, really fascinating and quite profound that the author of Genesis tells us about God in, God's, in creation. In Genesis 1, verse 26, we hear, let us... Not a mistake, that's in the, in the text. Let us make mankind, humankind, in our image, right? The Trinity. In our image, in our likeness. So God made humankind in there, and I'm using there particularly, specifically, I'm adding that, because in, let's understand God as God is. Father, Son, Spirit, a relationality. Let us make humans in our image, so God created them in 
their own image, in the image of God, they created them male and female. So what's been said? I talked about this last week, but I want to pause and I want to sort of build some blocks here. We're going to build some scaffolding. The ability, the capacity for you and I to experience love, for us to give it and for us to receive it, is a gift that we've been given in light of the family we come from. I learned how to play cards because I was an abbot. It was just, that's what, that's what you learned how to do, because that's what abbots did, right? Your, uh, your capacity, your ability to give and receive love is by virtue of the family that you come from, which is Trinity, which is perfect union, which is love. So y- your ability to love and your ability to receive love is because of the family that you come from. Think about a moment in your own life when you felt seen, heard, and accepted. Not just someone saw you for who you are, but accepted you, welcomed you, didn't distance themselves from you when you felt love. Whether you're on the giving or the receiving end of that, I want to remind us that that is a gift Not everybody, not every living being gets that. We do, humans do, because we're made in the image of God. Now, moving on to the second block, our capacity to give and receive love, I would argue, has been diminished. I want to throw that up there. There we are. Here's an all-play question. Our capacity to give and receive love has been diminished. I'd love to just hear your thoughts, your reflections. When you see and read that, what do you think? Yep. Okay. Very good. Our capacity to give and receive love. What did he say? Yep. (laughs) I'm like, I can read it again. It's there. Uh, Tom said, yep, as if to say, I agree. What else? COVID. COVID. Okay. Toxic masculinity. Okay. Toxic masculinity. Original sin. Something or someone took it away. Social media. Our capacity to give and receive love has been diminished. In the scriptures, this idea is traditionally called, anyone take a guess? Three letters? Sin. That's right, friends. Sin. I've been critiqued before that I don't talk about sin enough. I'd like to talk about sin for a little while, if I may. (laughs) On the record, I'd like to talk about sin. (laughs) Not everybody says it that way, do they? Um, Traditionally, right, as the story goes, Adam and Eve in the beginning of the story get an invitation from God that everything that they have, everything that they need, everything they want to be fully human is theirs. And that there's a particular tree they're not to eat from, and, and, and that's like, essentially, this is not what you were meant to do. 
This is my interpretation of Genesis 3, 1, 2, and 3. And they choose to go, to go outside of what God intends for them, to be perfectly, fully human exists here, and they go outside of that and move into space that they weren't intended to move into and become less than human. Uh, this is called, traditionally, this is called sin. We were created in the image of God, who is love. We're created with the capacity to give and, and receive love, which is a gift, but our capacity to participate in that gift we were meant to has been diminished. And I'm using that word diminished very carefully. Maybe you could also say compromised. Our ability to give and receive love has been compromised. Um, oftentimes, when you have a conversation about sin, it, it goes one of two ways, right? Either um, nothing is left or nothing is wrong. Um, by nothing is left, what I mean by that is uh, there's... Because of sin, human, you and I get reduced to nothing. We are nothing but sin. We are always and only sin. From the moment I took my first breath, when I came out of my mother's womb, I existed in sin. Original sin, somebody said it earlier, thank you, Augustine. No thank you, actually. I don't think that's all that helpful or true. Because I, I would argue that you cannot erase the divine DNA in you. If you are made in the image of God, if you're made from love, you can't erase the divine DNA that's in you. So you can't be only sin. You can't be only death. I don't think that's helpful. I think part, it's, it's in part true, but it's not helpful. It's not the best way you could say it. On the one hand, nothing is left, right? You're a worm, only in need of salvation. You're desperate, right? Luther, if you've watched any or read anything about Luther, he lived a lot of time and space there which is maybe why he was so darn depressed. On the other hand, on the other hand, nothing is wrong, right? All is well. Like, I'm good. You're good. We're fine. Uh, yeah, sometimes things get a little messed up, but like, I, I can figure it out. I could fix it. I'm pretty handy, you know? My grandpa used to say you're about as handy as a hip pocket and a shirt. I would argue I'm a little handier than that, Chaz, but either way, like, nothing is wrong. Right? I'm, I'm not in need of self. I'm actually not lost. You're not lost. We're not lost. We're fine. These are sort of two poles, two opposite ends of the spectrum, neither of which I think is helpful or true. There are parts of that that are true, but it's more complicated than that. It's more nuanced than that. To either deny that nothing is wrong or to assert that nothing is left in you or I that is good, neither of those are helpful. I don't think I have to convince you that sometimes you choose yourself over your partner. I don't think I have to try to convince you that sometimes you choose your agenda over your coworkers at cost to your coworker. I don't think I have to convince you that you choose your own advancement at cost to those nearest to you sometimes, right? Can I just get a show of hands by for whom that's true? You should all be raising your hands right now, okay? It's church, let's be honest. We choose the opposite of love. We, we, we essentially move towards that which is inhuman or less than human. If we're created for love and from love, then clearly there are some wires crossed in this little frame, right? I am lost. There's something that doesn't work quite right in me. This is why it's called the good news, friends. This is why it's called the euangelion, the gospel, the good news. 
First building block, second building block, third building block. Christ has come to restore and repair our diminished capacity to love. Verse 9 says, this is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, that we might be more human through him. What is God doing in Jesus the human? Love is repairing what's broken. Love is ransoming back what has been stolen. Love is paying a debt that we cannot pay back. Love is restoring what's been diminished and compromised. Love is finding what has been lost. All metaphors that you find in scripture, right? About the situation that we find ourselves in, the story that we find ourselves in. Verse 10 says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us first and sent his son. This is the good news of the the Christian story, friends. This is the gospel. And I want to remind you that it's being offered to you today. Again, a new or a fresh or for the first time. It's always available. How does what's broken, compromised, diminished in me get restored, repaired, and made whole? Because of Christ. And by the power of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit in my life, I'm being healed. This is why salvation, this is what's called salvation. It's happened, and it's happening. I'm, I'm, I've been saved, I'm being saved, right? How does it happen? Like, as I submit to the work of the Spirit in me, I'm being healed to the degree that I say yes to that. And, and no to the selfish tendencies of my heart, I'm being healed, I'm becoming more human, the other night, uh, I've, been doing, I've been going in the sauna lately, which I'm loving. Um, not LA Fitness so much, but the sauna as an idea, I love. Can we just all pause for a moment and say, like, when you're in the sauna, don't talk. <laughs> Unless you really know the people. You know what I'm saying? Last night, I was in the sauna, you guys, and there were two, two guys who were just yammering on and on and on so loud. It was very disturbing. In fact, Laura was on the other side in the women's sauna, and she heard these two guys talking. She was going to bang on the wall, like, knock it off. But I love the sauna. I've been going to the sauna lately. And in the sauna, I've been, I find it usually a nice place to meditate. Last night, I couldn't get there. And I was meditating the other day in the sauna, and I I was sort of like breathing in, breathing out, you know, like breath prayer. And on my inhale, I would say something. On my exhale, I would say something. And I found myself starting to say, more of you, less of me. And then I actually caught myself, and I was like, let's be clear with our words. More of you, Jesus. Yes. Less of me. How about less of the darkness in me and more of the light in me? I think that's more true. And so I just kept breathing this in and out. More of you, Jesus. Less of the dark in me, more of the, more of the light in me. More of you, Jesus. Less of the dark in me, more of the light in me. More of you, Jesus. Less of the dark in me, more of the light in me. Insofar as I'm saying yes to that, I'm being healed. I'm becoming more whole. I'm becoming more human. I'm being saved. Now, we could stop here and just call it a sermon and be good. 
That would be the good news, right? I've just recounted the kind of basic building blocks of the story. We have been given a gift. That gift is love. We were made from it and for it. Our capacity for it is diminished because of our own choices and our own selfishness at times. In Christ and by the power of the Spirit, as I'm saying yes to that, I'm being made whole. I'm being restored, redeemed, remade, recreated, saved, right? That's the gospel. That's the good news. All that's a setup for this. Verse 4, or excuse me, point 4, in verse 12, John says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. That's the NIV. The New American Standard says it. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. New Living says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. No one has seen God. That's kind of a big statement, right? Um, if you follow John's gospel and you turn back in, uh, to that, this is why people argue that the writer of First John and the gospel of John are actually the same writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you go to John chapter 1, you find that the gospel writer talks about this idea of no one seeing God multiple times. Verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Chapter 5, verse 37, John says this, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. Chapter 6, verse 46, he says it again when he writes this. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. So in John's gospel, there's this idea of the, 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 the invisibility of God or the hiddenness of God. And 1 John says it also. No one has seen God. You guys remember Elijah up on the mountain? We're going to study this in Lent again. But like he, he, he comes out on the mountain and God covers his face and, and goes by in a whisper, right? The still, small voice of God. No one's ever seen God. What's he saying? You guys have seen an iceberg, right? There's like the tip of the iceberg that they saw when the Titanic hit it. And then there was something below the surface that was gigantic and, and, and no one could see. In some ways, we've gotten glimpses, we've gotten pieces, we've gotten uh, a view of God in, in, insofar as we've seen Jesus, insofar as we've experienced the Spirit, insofar as we have the Scriptures, right? We get pieces of God, we get views of God, but like as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, we know and see only in part, and someday we will see in full, but for now we see through a glass dimly. Why am I bringing all this up? Um, do you guys know what an atom is? Like the basic building block of human life? An atom, A-T-O-M. That's not a trick question. Um, Jeff, can you, sh there should be a picture. There it is right there. That's an atom, right? But it's not an atom. It's, a, it's an idea, it's a symbol that we have that carries the idea of what we know to be an atom, right? If there, I was looking up uh, online, there are like pictures of atoms and they don't look anything like that. But this is like a concept, it's an icon, so to speak. When we look at this, we, we know that, well, that's not the thing, but the thing behind the thing is what we're after, right? It's what we're trying to understand. We're looking into the soul of an atom as we look into this image of an atom. 
we get a glimpse of what an atom acts like, looks like, is like, but that's not the thing. It carries the idea. I want to suggest for you and I, when we look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, and we hear John say, no one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. What has he said? In some ways, no one's seen God. But we have these things that carry the idea. We know what God is like because we know what Jesus is like. And John says, insofar as we love one another, something lives in us that carries the idea of God. So when you wander through the world and you say yes to Christ and the Spirit's work in your life and you are being healed, and I would argue that even, even some who maybe haven't said yes to the Christ and, and the work of the Spirit, like there's, there's still the capacity for that in them, and we've met some of those folks, haven't we? Who maybe aren't a part of this tradition, but man, you'd, you'd swear they got the message on this one, right? And love lives in them, and you see it in them, and when you do, I would argue you are looking into the soul of things. You are looking into the soul of the universe. You're looking into God itself because God is love. So a reminder to you this morning, I'll leave you with these two questions or statements. The first of which is, be reminded of this story that we find ourselves in the midst of. I don't know what you've come with or what, what baggage you brought into the room or how, where you are in your journey of trying to figure out, like, is God real or is God not real or is Jesus who he said he was? I want to just offer to you, like, the condensed version of this story that we find in Scripture, that we were made from love and for love and with the capacity for love. And that in us is diminished, broken, fractured, uh, whatever metaphor you want. And in Christ, God is repairing and restoring that which we were made for and makes possible insofar as we say yes and give our life to that, submit ourselves to that, say yes to that. We're being healed, right? We're, being more, we're becoming more human. That's salvation. That's the good news. And to those of you who, who call yourself a part of this Jesus thing, you bear the image when we love one another, when love exists in us for another, when we, are, when we receive love from another, we are participating in the very soul of things. We are like at bedrock. And you, this is the wonder of it all. You have the capacity, like the possibility, the, the wild and crazy invitation to like be a, a, uh, an icon, an image bearer, you carry the idea in the world. And so when people find you, they have the capacity, the possibility to see a part of who God is. That is a wonder, isn't it? And when it happens, when you've experienced it, can you like recall those moments in your life? It's so beautiful. It is so ineffable. It is magnificent. It is a wonder. It is, a, it is art happening in real time. And you can't help but be drawn to it like a moth to the flame. You can't help but desire it because it's what you were made for. So I want to remind you this morning as we close this series as the Church of Jesus Christ, 
Like, this is the invite. This is what we get to participate in. And, you know, we all fits and starts, yeah, for sure. But as we're being healed, as we're being made whole again, we get to participate and say yes to and, like, make known the very soul of the universe, God, that which is love, to our neighbor, to our children, to our coworkers, to your crazy Uncle Fred. So maybe just a moment of pause. Like, is there anybody in your life for whom you would wish that upon? When I look into my enemy, I see my brother and my sister. Is there anybody in your life to whom you would wish this kind of joy and life upon? That which was from the beginning, which we have seen and testified to and will proclaim to you now so that you might also have fellowship with it. So that's my final invitation to you from 1 John. I'll uh, offer a word of prayer and a few moments of still and quiet for us to consider maybe what the Spirit has said and where we might find ourselves in the midst of it before we make our way to the table. So pray with me if you would. God, as we take a few moments to be quiet, to pause, to rest our maybe weary hearts, maybe joy-filled hearts, I hope and pray that, well, I'll declare that we desperately need your spirit among us and in us to lead us and guide us, um, that there is something off. There, there, there are wires that have been crossed in my heart. And I do choose myself at cost to others often. And I know that that is less than human. It makes me less than human. So spirit, do that work in me. Change me. Transform me. Mature me. Grow me deeper in love. Like send a taproot all the way down. So that my value, my worth, who I am is rooted in you and nothing else so that I might be good news in the world. Whatever work may need to be done in this room, Spirit, we give you access um, to the degree that we can for a few moments now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, Amen. Grace and peace, friends. Have a great day. You can find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.